That was a nice, comfortable win. Heck yeah. Was not expecting that, so that was good. When I saw the line, I was surprised just because the Raptors have always played the Lakers really well. Right. I think that and then, I know 11, there were some. Yeah, it was 11 straight losses. 11 straight losses to the Raptors before tonight, so. I know, it was spanning back to like 2014 or something insane like that. Yeah, meanwhile, LeBron kind of owns them, which is kind of the hilarious hypocrisy in that. Well, yeah, even last year, they just gave him problems. And the big reason why was they were just, they were the the kind of the same archetype as the Lakers, just really, really athletic yeah. and really physical. And just a lot of them made everything really right. difficult. Yeah, you can see their defense still. It's kind of like, it's like a zone kind of, right? It's like a matchup zone that they play. And it kind of forces you into tough three-pointers. The Lakers just made every single one tonight. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you and I have talked before about how, like, they're you know the shooting is such a momentum thing, and if you let a team make some shots early, they just yeah. ride that wave of confidence uh, all the way through the end of the game, and right. then it ends up being one of those situations where ones start going in, and uh, and that that's that's the, the same reverse effect happens and that's what happened to the Lakers you know for months and other stretches of the season they just would miss uh, a couple shots at the beginning of the game and then they'd start missing the easy ones and the open ones and so you know this is what that positive regression is that we've been waiting on for so long yeah it's crazy how contagious it is right like one person hits and another guy kind of feels himself to hit and then from there it kind of just boils onto the whole team THD came in and kind of just felt the like energy of oh we're making shots tonight and he just pulled up from in like transition and made his first one so it's kind of crazy how that how that works when you just get a few open looks to go the whole team kind of the floodgates open as as they say uh from there yeah and then you know you and i have talked a lot this season and I've, it's been something that i've said a lot is that um you know lebron and ad get so much credit for the laker defense when not to say that they're they're not a part of it because they are but I always have said that the, the lion's share of the work in this defense falls to the guards right. with, the, uh, with all of their effort on the perimeter, chasing guys off the three-point line and defending at the point of attack. And then also um, uh, Frank Vogel and his schemes and, yeah. and the, way that he, the way that he sets everything up in their defense um, on a night-to-night basis to succeed. And yeah. I think it's actually been really cool to see over this stretch without LeBron and AD – that uh, even without LeBron and AD, they defend extremely well. And, it, and it's something that I predicted. Now, LeBron and AD are the ceiling raisers because they're, you know, when you get in the playoffs and you're dealing with matchups, it's so important that you don't give up, you know, significant matchup advantages to the other team. And having two super versatile forwards like LeBron and AD, you know, are, are so imperative to be able to do that. However, in the regular season, when so much of it is about effort, and uh, uh, and just simple schemes that teams don't have enough time to adjust to, uh, you know, Frank and all of these guards who, you know, work their ass off every day. Uh, it's easy to see how how uh, how that's been so important for how successful this defense has been. Right. Yeah. And the starters kind of um, their plus minuses were kind of in the singles for the night. It was the bench. Right. With that. I called it the young core lineup. It was like Caruso, THT. And uh, Kaycock, Kuzma, all um, just defending, switching everything. That kind of changed the game. That's the one that moved the game from like a 10-point game to like a 20, 22, 24-point game. And that's what we talk about. Like the defense is all about their guards and how much ball pressure they can put and switch 
they do a really nice job of like switching off off the ball right so like if they see a matchup that doesn't work like let's say mark is at the three-point line they'll just cross switch before the ball can even get to the guy so it was it was cool to see them just fly around and just use their athleticism uh i thought Schroeder kind of struggled for most of the night and you could see like when tht caruso all those young guys just fly up the court and toronto was obviously uh undermanned but still i mean that to be up 30 on a team without lebron and ad is still still really impressive and it just shows when we can just make some shots man the defense has been pretty consistent like they got some open shots to go and the floodgates open so it's it's a good win yeah tht and and alex crusoe struggled a lot at the beginning of this no lebron stretch with their playmaking duties and that was to be expected because they went from being in kind of subsidiary roles to prominent roles and right. you know, no one just picks that up immediately, uh, mm-hmm. uh, no matter how good your skill set is, because you've got to learn, you know, how your aggressiveness fits in uh, with this new kind of role that you have. And uh, I thought both Alex Crusoe and Talon Horn Tucker made a lot of really nice plays tonight for their teammates uh, in mm-hmm. primary creating roles. And then look at Dennis Schroeder. I mean, Dennis, <laughs> Dennis Schroeder uh, was, was, had an adjustment period himself you know, uh, becoming the number one guy and he had seven assists in like his first few minutes of play like that, that, that guy, you can tell is finally starting to get comfortable in what mm-hmm. he's being asked to do. And, uh, and, and obviously, you know, when you defend as well as they do, if you can get anything going offensively, they're going to steal some of these games. And as, as our, our uh, buddy uh, Pete tweeted out, you know, uh, uh, from Laker film room, the Lakers are four and five since LeBron mm-hmm. went down. Which is insane because right. I thought at absolutely best case scenario, I thought we were looking at maybe three wins mm-hmm. and that it could potentially get worse. And now with James Harden being out 10 days, you've got a, a reasonable opportunity to beat Brooklyn here um, uh, soon. And then there's that New York Knicks game as well. Like they, if they somehow come out of this near 500 without LeBron and AD, that would be like, I mean, I know Frank Vogel's not getting coach of the year, but that's some coach of the year <laughs> level stuff there. Yeah, that's a massive win. And even just their defense, like I feel like LeBron and AD are probably the best, what, off-ball kind of defenders in the league. And you take that out. Trez is not a rim protector. Marquise Morris is neither. Andre Drummond goes out, right, already. So they have really no real rim protection besides Gasol. And they're still number one. They were number one before tonight. I don't know after tonight, but they were number one in uh, opponents' field goals uh, percentage in the paint which just shows how much they're flying around on uh, on defense. So, yeah, hopefully that picks up. And uh, we have a few more winnable games here. They've won every game that they were supposed to win, right? Like exactly. They beat, they beat the key. Orlando. Right. They beat the Orlando Magic. They beat the, the Cavs, you know, and then tonight as well. So um, that's all you can ask, really. They're not supposed to beat the Clippers or the Bucks. I mean, those are just – those are those are really good teams. That are good. They're going to come out uh, and play well. But, uh, yeah, I think they've done their job. And LeBron's out of a boot, right? So <laughs> that's – that's kind of awesome. Yep. He's already he's already out. AD looks. I mean, AD's already doing like on court work. He's like shooting pregame and stuff like that. So I mean, they're not that far away. Um, they play the Mavs pretty soon, which I think will be pretty big for seeding. But um, other than that, they've stayed pretty much at the at the five spot. It's not like any of the people up top have really made that much separation. Denver's really on fire, but other than that, um, all the West teams are kind of still in that range. So if they can come back and maybe they can still steal like a top four or five seed if if possible. Yeah. And then all you have to do is put yourself in a position where you can go on a run with LeBron and AD because right. so many, t- so many teams at the end of the season don't have anything to play for. I mean, look at the Lakers and the seeding games there in the bubble. They just had nothing to play for. And so mm-hmm. they go out there and hang a three and five spot 
and it literally is like completely forgotten because they had already locked up the one seed and then they go off and beat everybody in the playoffs. Uh, but in this case, they do have something to play for in that last month of the season with LeBron and Nady kind of getting their groove back and uh, getting their uh, their rhythm back and and with the seeding because, you know, the difference between them being a six seed and a four seed is a huge deal when you have fans in the stadiums. If you can mm-hmm. take your first round matchup with Denver or the Clippers or whoever it is and, and play it with, you know, four games at home, that's a huge deal. So they just have to stay within striking distance being able to go on a run and already, even if they lose every other game, the rest of this, no LeBron and AD stretch, they've done a little better than we thought they would. Um, As as far as the defense goes, and this I think is a nice little segue into the, uh, um, into the Ben McLemore discussion. Yeah. Ben McLemore immediately, the second he comes in the door of the Laker locker room is already their most athletic guard and their best shooting guard. Now, uh, you can have a conversation about him on the defensive end. It's been the number one uh, uh, negative thing you've heard about him today. Um, but what I think is so important to keep in mind with that is, like we just talked about with Frank Vogel, you know, the Lakers are defending at an extremely high level right now without a whole lot of defensive talent. Right. There are a lot of guys that are playing minutes for the Lakers right now that in just about any other situation would be considered an average to below average defensive player. And they're having success because of what the Lakers ask from their guards, the scheming and just an organizational wide, uh, like the, like the announcers were saying today, they demand it. The organization Mm. demands defense. And so with the athletic tools that Ben McLemore has, there's no reason to believe that he shouldn't be able to slot in, uh, into this defense. Now with the, with the Rockets, because they switched everything, he was primarily on an Island in isolation, that's not the way it's going to be for him here. He's going to be asked to chase guys off the three-point line, fly around in rotations. Anytime he gets in a mismatch, they're going to send ex- aggressive help because they're so good at rotating. I actually think he'll be a nice fit defensively here. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. He's listed at what? He's listed at like 6'3", so he's going to play the off guard pretty much. That is still a little smaller, but he's an athletic guard. I think they can get more out of him. Um, I know for Houston, like he fit in pretty well for there. They're, they played a lot of a switching defense as well, and I thought he – fit pretty well he got a lot of minutes on that team um we talked a lot about Andre Drummond like how we should kind of temper expectations right without LeBron and AD and I kind of feel mm-hmm. the same with Ben McLemore as well um he's he can do a lot more but he is still kind of like a specialist right like he's a shooter like that's what he does um mm-hmm. and on this team he won't get as good of looks like I still think he'll help um but I mean players come to the Lakers and just forget how to shoot for some reason but I still think I still think <laughs> I still think he's gonna help I think he's like a 40 something percent shooter from the corners you know and he hits his wide open threes i think you posted the stat today right he's shooting like 38 39 percent or something on his wide open shots and that's really all we're asking for is guys to hit their open shots not even hit like the little contested ones like just just hit their open threes and i think he can do that um and now the lakers have a nice little guard rotation like whoever's hot they can kind of play with west matthews ben McLemore and a KCP, right? All three guys, at least one of them should be making their shots from, from game to game. So that's a big pickup again, to get him for free, um, off the buyout market. I think he's a really nice guard, uh, to add to the rotation and add to the shooting. Yeah. And it adds pressure on the guards who have been struggling to get it together. And, uh, and you know, it's one thing, you know, you and I have extensively talked over the last two years about how, you know, defensively the, um, uh, they can put up with a lot of mistakes on the mm-hmm. offensive end from their guards, as long as they defend. And right. when there's a lack of, when there's a lack of depth, you can get the worst of both worlds. You can get, 
you know, uh, KCP who's not making shots and is slacking around on the defensive end. But when you have six guards in your guard core, there's pressure on everybody to make sure that they don't take a night off with their Mm -hmm. defensive focus and things along those lines. Um, You mentioned some of the shooting numbers for those of you guys that didn't see him on Twitter earlier today. He's shooting about 40.2% on catch and shoot threes last year when he was with James Harden. You got to kind of throw out the stuff this year because he's just playing in a garbage situation altogether. It's not like he magically forgot how to shoot. It's just a question of being in arguably the worst situation uh, basketball wise that, uh, that we've seen in the last few years, like as bad as the, um, you know, since the Harden trade, as bad as some of the old, you know, Sam Hinkie, uh, uh, Philadelphia 76ers teams that invented tanking. Like they, I mean, I think they lost over 20 games in a row at one point. So it's hard to really take any of that as real basketball. Um, but the previous season with James Harden is 40.2% on catch and shoot threes. Um, he was 42% on wide open threes. And he led the Rockets with over 150 catch and shoot threes or excuse me, with uh, uh, over 150. Yeah, well, that's, that's what it was, catch and shoot threes. Um, more than James Harden, more than P.J. Tucker, more than any of those other guys on the roster, he was their best spot-up shooter. And I watched, I watched a whole lot of film of him today, um, and the vast majority of it was attacking closeouts because of the really simple yeah. role that he had in that Houston offense. If you watch the Houston offense, it's all James Harden, dribble, 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 draw attention. These guys got to play four on three. These guys got to attack closeouts. Well, Ben McLemore, you know, he, he's actually very good at that, at that very specific thing. He's not a guy who's going to run pick and roll for you. He's not a, gonna, a guy who's going to create shots for others off the dribble. But what he can do is he can do what you asked KCP to do, which is knock down open threes when, he's, uh, uh, when, the, team, when the defense leaves him. And then when they chase him off the line, you put ball on the floor make really basic plays after that. And so I actually think for what the Lakers will ask him to do, he's an excellent fit. And like I said, right away, best athlete in the backcourt and right away, best shooter in the backcourt. So I don't, I don't understand any situation where it's not an immediate improvement um, over their current guard situation. Yeah. And, and they, he got him for free, right? They didn't have to give up anything to get him. Another guy to add to the rotation. He's a rotate. He's a NBA level player, right? I think he showed that last year. Um, like you said, a lot of people talked about his numbers in Houston this year. I think it's kind of tough. Uh, like you said, to kind of go off that, that's a really tough situation. That's a weird kind of uh, situation going on there. They lost like 20 something games in a row, right? It's really tough to judge uh, his shooting. Mm-hmm. numbers. Um, but I was looking like his playoff, his playoff shooting numbers were good as well. Last year, he shot 39% from three um, in the playoffs on in 11 games uh, for the Rockets last year. So it shows like he can shoot in pressure situations. Um, I remember against the Lakers, he had a few games where he hit, uh, he hit multiple threes. So yeah, he's a, it's a good signing. I I think, uh, I think the Milwaukee Bucks were also interested in signing him. But if I saw like the report, but yeah, he's going to be able to spot up. He's not as much of a movement shooter, right? He's not the guy who's going to fly off screens, but he can spot up. It's hard to help off him, especially when they get LeBron and AD back. He's just another guy you can set in the corner that you can't help off of, right? Like he's used to it with the James Harden basketball from last year. That's kind of how he got his new role in the league, right? Like he was kind of a fringe player until he kind of got into that role. And he saw that he's kind of a spot up shooter and he's going to fit perfect. Um, he's going to get a lot of open looks. I mean, the guys right now are getting open looks. So I'm imagining Ben Malcolm would kind of fit right into there. And he's a, he's a nice shooter to put on the, the team, but again, he's a specialist with his shooting. So I would like really temper expectations again until you get the full team back. For sure. Yeah. He's not the kind of guy that's going to have a ton of success with this current uh, uh, lineup that they're running out there just because of the lack of talent, lack of shot creation. Um, mm-hmm. 
However, you know, when we're, when we're looking at the, uh, uh, the overall roster now, it fills a hole in the sense that yeah. there's this, there's this sudden feel with the roster that they have versatility that they didn't have last year. Like you can go crazy all in on defense in the backcourt with like a Dennis Schroeder and Alex Caruso. You can go crazy all in on shooting in the backcourt with like a KCP, a KCP and Ben McLemore, you know, guys that are, you know, kind of more flamethrower type of guys. You can go in the front court. You can go, big bruising centers all game long, like, uh, like Andre Drummond and, and, uh, and Montrezl Harrell, or you can go versatile perimeter oriented, more skilled centers that stretch the floor, like Marcus Saul and Markeith Morris. You can, mm. you can see them going huge. You can see them obviously going back to LeBron and AD at the five. Um, and what's great about having a six guard core that works this well is now all of a sudden you have so much more depth for the AD at the five lineups. Um, because at that point you've need, you need to have three guards on the floor at any given time, you know, and if Kuzma is a bad matchup or if Markeith or if Markeith can't stay out there, uh, in, in a specific matchup, you can go with, you know, Wes and, uh, and Ben McLemore and Dennis Schroeder or, you know, Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso and Wesley Matthew. You have all these different guard lineups that you can go to now with LeBron and AD at the five, it, 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 the roster for lack of a, you know, just to simplify all that just feels like really well rounded out now. Right. And, and just to bring this back to like the game tonight, like Marcus Saul was shooting his open threes, right? Whether they went in or not, like he was taking his open shots. Um, he was kind of, I think he kind of took it personal that the Raptors would just leave him open, but um, he was hitting his mm-hmm. open threes. And when that, and when that happens, like the ball can pop, it can move around and Ben McLemore can fit right into that, right? They would drive, kick, kick, and you have to, you have to close out to every single person. You know, Mark Heap is hitting his open threes, Mark just taking them, um, it just feels for a better flow to the offense. Um, guys don't have to really force it one-on-one when you can just move the ball. And without LeBron and AD, they really have to do that. So I have Mark keep shooting it. And I think Ben McLemore can kind of fit into that, right? Get the shots that KCP is getting. Um, get those open looks that Alex Crusoe gets. Kuzma, Kuzma gets a bunch of corner threes and, um, as well. I think he hit a few tonight. But uh, yeah, I would just mm-hmm. love to see Ben McLemore kind of in that uh, in that kind of role, it's a really simple offense right now. It's very high pick and roll or Marcus all at the top. And I think, I think he can fit into that. Uh, we'll see when drumming, uh, I think drumming should be back soon as well. But, uh, yeah, I think that's just like seeing Marcus all take those threes was a really good sign. Cause when you have five guys who are a threat, that's obviously kind of similar to the AD at five lineup, right? Where you have to defend everybody. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a threat. So I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, Malcolm Moore kind of, uh, fit into that. Yep. Nope. I hundred percent agree. Um, so Raj, I just made you the host of the room because you have a little <laughs> bit more experience with this. Um, sure. you want to get some other people involved? Yeah. So if anyone, like, if you want to put things in the chat, I'll go through the chat right now. And then, uh, okay. Joseph uh, would like to speak. What's up, Joseph? How's it going? Hey, what's up guys. Appreciate, you know, what you guys do as far as bringing us Lakers content daily uh, man, or weekly, but, um, it. yeah, man, I, I just think, you know, like, you know, everybody's basically waiting on hopefully AD is able to come back and be at least 85 to 90% and obviously LeBron coming back. And I think like you guys talk about, everybody will just slot in the place. And I just think from there, man, um, as long as we, I, I would say as long as we can stay in that six seed, I think we'll be okay, man. And, and I, I think the Lakers can truly repeat if LeBron and AD are anywhere from 85 to 90%. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Thank Joseph. You. I appreciate it, man. 
Um, I 100% agree with you. Everything comes down to slotting everybody in the proper roles. It really is that simple. I mean, you know, uh, everything gets colored by recency bias, right? I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of Laker optimism after the seeding games last year because you're like, oh, they can't shoot. There's no offense. Like, they miss Rondo. Everything is – the wheels are coming off. LeBron and AD look sloppy. Uh, There was all this stuff because you just get caught up in the way basketball looks as of late. However, the the bottom line is is you still have to be LeBron and AD – with this backcourt and with this frontcourt, with these role players and, and with every, all the pieces uh, that they have, it's easy to see how this could be very, very successful. And they remedied two of their biggest problems back when they were healthy, which was they need a little bit more frontcourt depth and they needed more shooting. And uh, uh, especially with as well as Alex Caruso has been shooting the ball as of late and with Markeith getting going and with Marcus all getting going. Like I tend to think that if LeBron and AD were healthy right now, the Lakers would be looking just like as dominant as Brooklyn has been as of late. Yeah, and uh, like the thing, like people, a lot of people like compare this to like the Clippers last year, right? Like they only played a few games, or even the Nets this year, they've only played a few games together. I guess like the only counter to that was like LeBron and AD built all their chemistry last year, right? Like they got a pretty much a full season last year, a full playoff, so they're not coming in like still trying to learn each other's games. Um, they haven't really blend with the team as fully, but I mean at least those two together have kind of built a camaraderie, and then from in the playoffs, it's going to be those two together for like 30 minutes a game, right? Like that's really what it's going to be. So, yeah, I think you're mm-hmm. right. We have LeBron and AD um, back, and I don't think they care what seed they are. I don't think they want to play four straight games on the road, if, especially if fans are back. But I don't think they have a problem with it either. So, I think the Cavs what went to the finals as the four seed in LeBron's left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't I believe think so. It was either four or three. Yeah, so I don't think they're worried about that. And then obviously a Clippers matchup would be a home game anyway. So uh, from there, it's not really not really a big issue so i think you're right joseph i uh, appreciate appreciate you coming on here i'll put you as speaker and uh, yeah i think i think he's right that if if you have lebron and ad back um the seating doesn't really matter you just want to stay out of that seven uh that seven seed yeah and at the end of the day um uh, so much of it just depends about the playoff path like it was mm-hmm. one thing it was one thing last year when it was like oh man you want to have the one seed because you don't want to play the clippers in the second round i mean that happened to houston in 2019 if you remember uh, uh, Houston slacked off during the regular season, ended up dropping um, to, I, I want to say, I can't remember, I think it was the three seed. I think they dropped to the three seed and then the Warriors ended up dropping to two. And then all of a sudden, uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, or the, the Rockets dropped to four. That's what it was. And, and then they played Golden State in the second round and they got beat. And then that shows up as a second round exit. Well, this year, everybody's good. So, yeah, I mean, like, who are you, who really are you avoiding here? Cause I mean, uh, you know, the Warriors, when when they're healthy, are probably the worst of the top eight teams in the West. And yeah. uh, I don't, I wouldn't want to play Steph Curry in a playoff series like he's a complete nightmare in a playoff series. And, you know, Luka with, with is coming into form and the Mavericks look really good. They beat the Jazz the other night uh, and they're probably going to end up being like the seven seed. And then the Nuggets are there and Gordon look like better than the Clippers. And then the Utah Jazz are like a bona fide number one overall seed. It's just there's no. There's no easy path, so like you're really not, um, you're you're really not game. Like even if the Lakers had some killer crazy comeback and they got the two, the the number two seed, it's like yeah. you're still gonna play Luca in the first round, probably the Clippers in the second round, and the Jazz in the third round. That's literally what it's gonna be. So right. there's just no advantage to straining yourself to get up higher in the standings. Yeah, exactly. And if everyone anyone else wants to speak, they can request or just t- type it in the chat as well. Um, April says uh, Macklemore is a good ad when you think we are solid on defense. 
and that's true. Like we talked about earlier, our defense has been pretty consistent. They just need to hit some open shots. Uh, that's what happened against Sacramento. That's what happened tonight. Um, it just sucks that they hit none of their shots against the good teams, which I, think, I don't think is a coincidence totally, but they did miss a bunch of uh, open looks. Um, I'll, I'll ask you this one, Jason. This uh, Aramo Selly, sorry if I butchered your name, says Kuz is taking a lot of bad shots. Uh, what do you think about his comment there? What do you think? Do you think Kuz is taking a lot of bad shots uh, lately? Uh, <laughs> it's in his personality. Uh, he's like, he reminds me, he's a little bit of like a J.R. Smith kind of guy in the sense that like mm-hmm. he, in, he insists on trying to get his rhythm by taking crazy shots, which is insane to me because, you know, like, you know, for me personally, like one of the biggest areas of growth that I experienced as I got older was understanding that the best way to get going in a basketball game is to take easier shots so that you approach the rest of the game with confidence because you've made easier shots. And, you know, some of that gets more complicated when you're playing without LeBron and AD because there just aren't a lot of easy shots, but he played the same way with LeBron and AD where it's like a lot of times, like Kuz's first shot, even like first shot of the game, LeBron and AD are playing. He's flying off a screen contested. It's not even open. He's fading. He's kicking his legs and it's off the back rim. And it's like, okay, here we go. We're starting the game with the miss. And I certainly would like to see him try to, um, uh, try to get going in a more, uh, under control manner. But the flip side of that is he's your stereotypical, irrational confidence guy and irrational confidence guys. They're always like, they succeed based on the fact that they think they're a lot better than they actually are. And part of that manifests as a desire to take really difficult shots. So, I mean, I just kind of take it as it is what Kuzma is. Um, and you, you got, you kind of got to live with it. I mean, he's one of the biggest hot and cold players that I've ever rooted for in my time as a basketball fan. Like when he's got it going, he looks like Jason Tatum, but when, when he doesn't have it going, I mean, he, he looks like a bum and that's just, that's just kind of how it goes. And I feel like there'd be a little more consistency if he reigned in his shot selection, but it's just not in his basketball identity. Yeah. I, I always say, I'll tell my, like my grandkids about rookie coups, right? That was like a- he was like an offensive monster's rookie year, but uh, really quickly, just to just to finish up on him, I think I agree with your points on him. Look, LeBron and AD are out, right? Guys are gonna try to do more, and whoever they think is more right, shooter's gonna drive more. Um, Kuzma's gonna take a lot more tougher shots. He's gonna run a lot of more pick and rolls, even though his handle is still really chompy, right? He gets stripped a lot, but uh, yeah, that, like mm-hmm. guys are gonna do more. But his defense, to me, like uh, if you watch last year, not not last year, yeah, last year early in the year. Um, Siakam really picked on him, right? I think that was one of their losses to the Raptors was at home. Uh, and yep. it, it, end, it ended their eight game win streak. If I remember correctly, it was a home yep. game and Siakam really picked on him. Like they would call screens out just for him. And he got to the rim, got layups scored. Uh, this year you could really see his defense. Like Siakam got, Siakam was in pretty much hell all night. That's not all Kuzma. The Lakers health defense is obviously great. Like we talked about earlier, but um, like he was able to stay in front of him. Uh, Siakam got a few like mid-range contested pull-ups, but I think you live with that. He's really took away his uh, drives to the basket, and it was just cool to see him still like his defense is still um, really top tier for a uh, for a wing. So that's what the Lakers need. Uh, he's able to switch. He was able to switch on a lot of guards. He got a few blocks tonight as well at the rim. So his defense is playing well enough that I'm not really worried about the offense. Like I think his offense will come and go as it is. Like he's a He's a streaky shooter, right? He's a scorer. He's a guy that can score 30 or he can be like two for 10, right? That's that's his offense right now. And I think it's fine on this team. Um, his spot-up shoot numbers are okay. Uh, and uh, he's hitting his shots from the corners at least. So um, I, I think we'll live, we'll live with that. Um, 
Uh, yeah, you, you live with you live with the offensive inconsistency if he's consistent in all the other parts of his game. Exactly. Uh, T O G, what's up, T? Uh, he says uh, Vogel says that Drummond will continue to start. I'll give this one to you, Jason. Uh, he says that. Uh, uh, yeah, he. What are your thoughts on that? That Vogel says that Drummond will continue to start, even though Mark played so well tonight. Uh, well, I mean, uh, similar to what happened with JaVale last year, I think it was probably some sort of commitment uh, before the fact. Uh, but there's a, there's a basketball rationalization to that, and it has to do with the fact that Marcus Saul makes way more sense to play alongside Montrezl Harrell. Um, yeah. Playing Montrezl Harrell and Andre Drummond next to each other would be like basketball blasphemy. It'd be horrible. It would ruin everything offensively for them. Um, uh, so you can explain it away that way. Uh, but as I said earlier today, if you guys were following on Twitter, like if Mark Keith is going to keep shooting this well, I mean, they can start drumming all they want, but it's going to be kind of like JaVale last year where they're just going to go away from him after that first stint. And they're going to end up going with their more skilled and versatile lineups. Um, cause they have so many options to go there. And Mark Keith Morris literally right now looks like one of the best stretch fives in the league. Cause he's guarding so well, he's <laughs> defending post-up players so well, and he's shooting 40% from three on like five attempts per game. So I mean, they, they just have all sorts of options. But, yeah, I mean, uh, they, they I would imagine they promised it to Drummond. But at the end of the day, like, it actually does make sense to play Drummond with AD and to play um, Gasol with Markeith. Yeah, uh, Mark got a lot of minutes next to that young Lakers core, right? All the young players that were, like, flying around, and he was the one at the top, kind of like Jokic light, kind of where he was just kind of directing and guys were cutting off him and uh, playing mm-hmm. well. It's funny because I was really looking forward to him playing with Trez because they don't have a minute together still, I don't think, this season. Vogel said he wouldn't do it against Milwaukee. And then this game, Trez gets ejected, I believe. Was that in the first quarter? Um, so one yeah, of first quarter. I believe, it, I believe it was in the first quarter. Yeah, so um, Trez gets ejected, so Mark still does not have a minute with Trez. So hopefully in the next <laughs> game, uh, in the next game they, can, they can play together and see how that works. But yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it because I think Mark can play the – the four on offense and the five on defense and just give a really nice dynamic uh, off the bench and how much he wants to do that. It's obviously he's, he's shared how he feels about it, but uh, yeah, and I think Drummond fits better with the starters as well. Give, give shooter a nice pick and roll target um, option in that starting lineup and have Mark off the bench. And hopefully he can, uh, he'll, he, I know he'll eventually accept in that role. Mark is just a, he's a professional, he's a competitor and you expect him to kind of uh, to speak on that. And uh, any, again, if anyone wants to speak, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Drummond is such a physical presence, too, that when the Lakers have those games where they really attack early on by just bullying the hell out of you physically, uh, gosh, like having Drummond out there with those guys is going to be a nightmare for the opponent uh, when they really get that going. So, I mean, you know, d- d- like, yes, what the Lakers have, they've been playing really well, but Drummond's also good and he's also going to be good. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And again, if anyone wants to speak or anything, or again, or you can put stuff in the chat as well. Again, TOG says, uh, t- great THT game. What's his ceiling? I, I'm not sure. Honestly, I think it's pretty high. Um, I'm glad he's not a Toronto Raptor tonight. So I guess I'll say that. As <laughs> <laughs> Jason was hoping he would be. But, uh, <laughs> but no, but yeah, he looked really good. He just needs a serviceable jump. He needs a serviceable jumper just to get what he wants. He's already getting to the rim. He bullies guys at the basket. Um, he gets to the he gets to the line as well for a Laker guard. Him and Shooter are only Laker guards that really can get to the rim. And uh, yeah, he he played well. His his passing is already super creative. He does things that like 
like once a game at least he'll do something where I'm like wow like tonight he split a double team did a 360 pass on the on on point to the corner to Caruso he hit a three I'm like man that's like the ceiling that's like if everything comes together his body his you know his control everything by like 23 24 he can be an on-ball creator I don't know if he gets there but He'll have all the tools. Uh, what do you th- what do you think about THD's game tonight, and how you think he'll he'll move on for going forward? Uh, he was great. He created open shots for his teammates. That's a, that's something you don't see often from someone his age. I mean, he came in first possession and he had a turnover, and then uh, and then after that, almost immediately had uh, that play where he had the ball at the elbow and dumped it off to Kaycoch going down the uh, uh, going down the lane for the layup, mm-hmm. and then he and then he had the the play that you're talking about to Caruso where he kind of palmed it with his hand and like flipped it, uh, flicked the wrist out there. And then he had another driving kick. I want to say it was to Kuzma, but I'm not hundred percent sure. But you know, I, I've, I've said this a hundred times in conversations with you. I'd like, he's always going to look really good at times and, <laughs> yeah. and show these flashes. I just think, you know, I mean, especially with Macklemore now, like it's hard for me to believe he's going to play much, uh, uh, come the playoff time. I mean, I think Frank will give him a chance, but mm-hmm. um, unless he, uh, all of a sudden develops into a defensive player that never makes mistakes. I'm not talking about his peak uh, uh, athletically as a defender. I'm talking about one that doesn't make mistakes because mistakes cost you. If he develops into that, then I 100% believe that, that he can um, uh, become that type of player. But I just, yeah, I, I, I love the potential. I love all of that, but there's, I, I, I'm, I'm fully mentally prepared for him to not be a factor in this postseason. Yeah, I mean, most like a lot of twenty-year-olds don't get that many minutes, right? Unless you're like Jason Tatum or something like that. Donovan Mitchell, those guys are lead guards or real stars pretty mm. much when they came into the league, right? Those those guys. Tht's role is kind of filled by LeBron, right? Like he's kind of playing the the LeBron role right now, and obviously when LeBron comes back, LeBron's going to play the LeBron role. But that's basically what he is. He's just running high screen and roll, having the ball in his hands, and he has a bunch of turnovers, which. You know, you can. I mean, Shooter's also having a bunch of turnovers, so that's going to happen when you have guys trying to play that superstar role. So I think you're right in the playoffs. It's a little less. I do think he'll get spot minutes. Like he's a guy that can come in and just get a quick six points, right? If the other team doesn't have good rim protection, he's a guy that will yep. really attack the basket. Like Aaron Baines today, he got some fouls on him. Aaron Baines isn't really a shot blocker. He's more of a guy that wants to draw charges. And the THG did a nice job, kind of attacking him. Um, hmm. Let's see. Uh, Joseph says, would they put the all clutch lineup? I mean, the all-clutch lineup includes LeBron and AD, so I think you can't really go wrong. <laughs> the, other, the other three are there, but yeah, I guess all-clutch would be what? LeBron, AD, Trez. THD, KCP, and Ben. I think that's absolutely a lineup you'll see at some point. It'll be an Instagram post shortly after. T says, Kaycock, the new Trez next year. I want to ask you this because I watch Kaycock in Summer League, and obviously Summer League is not you know, anything close to the league, but I thought he had Trez comparisons back then um, before we even got Trez or two summer leagues ago. Yeah, man, time has flown. I forgot whenever 2019 ended and 2021 <laughs> started. But yeah, the 2019 summer league, I thought he looked like Trez back then. What do you see from Kaycock? I know there wasn't a lot tonight, but he seems like he has a good motor and like he can finish at the rim. Um, do you think like he has a I don't know, he has a role? Maybe not this year, but next year on this team or anything that you saw from him? There was a play in transition tonight where he had a block at the rim uh, where he mm-hmm. kind of almost jumped backwards, stuck his hands up and the guy kind of caved in his chest and then he blocked him on the way down. And then he ran down the floor and got a layup. Uh, and 
I almost the first name that came to my mind was Draymond. Now that's completely insane, I know, because Draymond is so skilled, he's such a good passer, blah 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 blah. But defensively, I saw some of that from him because the difference between Draymond and uh, and Montrez is like Montrez has all of this length. Right. Uh, they're both short, but he has all of this length, and he kind of is a little too thin and doesn't really have much of a presence around the basket. Kaycott, uh just did a really good job of 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 being disruptive around the rim with his hands without fouling while also being kind of a, a pain in the ass, big, strong dude that was difficult to bully. And that kind of reminded me a little bit of Draymond. So uh, obviously I'm just speaking about the defensive end, but yeah, I mean, he's good. And he, and he, he for the record, is another great example of all the things that I've said uh, to you about, about uh, these young centers, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of like Claxton with the Nets or, or, yeah. uh, uh, or Damian uh, Jones that was here with the Lakers for a little bit. Like, when you give guys who have athletic tools a really easy job, they can have some success. And and it's nice when you've got the, the rest of the scheme dialed in, you can be like, Oh crap, Montrez got ejected. Uh, you, here you go, Devonte, it's your turn. And, and because he has the tools and because there's a scheme in place, he can just step in and do his thing. Yeah. You could tell like the Raptors kind of players were kind of, he's the kind of guy that's like playing super hard while the game is, what up 30 right and they're like what are you doing like why are you why are you fighting super hard Robin <laughs> while the game is like super out of hand so that's kind of what I saw tonight and he, he has a good finishing ability at the rim I thought he has pretty good hands um it's kind of telling that Costas couldn't get minutes tonight um in a game where where you know the Lakers have Trez also out I think kind of shows that um Kaycock pretty much passed him as well in the rotation and so mm-hmm. uh, I don't think Kay, I don't think Costas is getting minutes anytime soon um it's since we're doing this live we can kind of see that uh, marcus all had a quote today um after the game from harrison fagan shout out harrison uh he says i'm staying ready i understand that we have to get andre acclimated to what we're trying to do i'll be ready whatever happens whether it's five minutes ten minutes i'll stay ready no matter what so like we talked about that's a pro. that was yeah that's kind of expected right that's what we were expecting on a mark eventually i mean i know initially he was kind of upset at the situation but i think that's what we were expecting from mark like he's a professional He's a competitor, but he's gonna he's gonna play his role. All right, guys, I got time for one more question. Otherwise, I'm gonna get in trouble with my wife. <laughs> All right, one last question here: Can we still cut McKinney for a roster spot? Otto Porter would be the cherry on top. Uh, I I'm not sure, honestly. I'm not really. I think we could, um, but I don't think we'd be able to afford Otto Porter. I feel like he would be um, pretty coveted out there, unless he just wants to play in Los Angeles. So. Uh, I have to check with the salary people on that, but uh, I think that would be a smart move, right, Jason? I think you're high as well on Auto Porter as a yeah. Auto uh, Porter would be amazing. Uh, like he's basically <laughs> a taller, a taller version of, of Ben McLemore in terms of what he'd be asked to do. Uh, the difference, though, is like so. Auto uh, Porter is really good, like really, yeah. really good. And so, uh, and, and what I mean by that is like he's not a veteran minimum kind of guy. Like he's right. a guy that. Uh, next year is probably going to be in the hunt for uh, 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 a mid-level exception somewhere. So he's going to be looking at like two years, 20 million. And so for, from that standpoint, there's, there's no real reason for him to take a buyout to go to some tiny role somewhere where he might be relegated to something that might hurt him. So I think that's why he's been, uh, cause he actually has come out and I've leaked to the press. I should say, I don't think he's actually directly come out and said it but he's leaked to the press through his agent or whatever that he intends to stay in Orlando. And uh, uh, my guess is that it's because he thinks he has a better chance of showing something that'll get him paid next year. Whereas like Ben McElmore, he's probably a veteran minimum guy regardless next year. You know what I mean? 
yeah, um, that was all. That was always my thought too on Otto Porter. He's he's a lot better than a buyout guy. You just but again, I think Andre Drummond was in that situation as well. But mm-hmm. I mean, he's a free agent after this year, so I was looking to see if the Magic might keep him to trade him. But yeah, it's all on him, I guess. But I mean, not not sure why they would buy him out right now. Um, they need they need players, I think, in Orlando. So I'm not sure. I think he he'd be really coveted though if he does come out. So um, yeah, and it. it it also gets complicated in the sense that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Rob Polinka has already basically told Andre Drummond that he's getting the mid-level exception next year. Um, and that's some sort of under-the-table thing. Um, again, we don't know. We're always uh, It's always conjecture with this kind of thing. You'd absolutely love to have uh, um, uh, uh, to add another 3-and-D wing like that that can – uh, that can be a dead eye shooter and give you another body to throw at a Kawhi or another body to throw at a, you know, um, at a Paul George. But at the end of the day, like, man, like I said earlier, this roster feels pretty complete to me. Lose Roz for a second. Oh, there it goes. All right, guys, I'm leaving you in the capable hands of Raj from here. I got to run. But thank you guys for tuning in. This was fun. We got to do this more often, especially uh, when we have somebody like LeBron and AD back on the floor to make the games a little bit more exciting. I'm going to sign off here as well. So this is a a lot of fun, you guys. Thanks to everyone who came and uh, asked questions. This will be out in podcast form um, pretty soon as well. So appreciate everyone for listening. I'll talk to you later, Jason. I'll see you guys. Bye, everybody.